0: Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. Okay, I'm going to be reading from 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. You can be seated. Oh. Any m M&M and lovers in the room? Yeah? Anybody just pick out the blue? No? No? Yes? Wow! We could have used a lot of help. Uh, I'm just kidding. They actually sell it now separately. Isn't that cool? Thank God. Hey, we're glad you're here. Um, Let me me just say that when we come into this space on a Sunday, we are not here to get what we need to make it through the week because we have Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit and we have God's word and we have each other that help us make it through the week and not just survive it, but thrive in it. We come here on a Sunday to celebrate that we woke up breathing today. I mean, who woke up breathing today? This feels inclusive. This feels like everybody, right? We woke up breathing today, that we woke up and his mercies were still new every day of this week and we're celebrating the goodness of God that we woke up and his grace was still sufficient. That we woke up and that sin you committed the night before, God is ready and willing to forgive again. We woke up and the same God who was the same yesterday is the same today and will be the same forever. And so we come to celebrate that he's still good. That no matter whether your week was good or your week was bad, that he is still good and we come here to celebrate that. And we celebrate best by singing. And it's just good to sing, isn't it? Some of you are like, no, don't like singing, but okay, until your favorite song on the radio comes on and no one's in the car with you, and then it's like, wah, maybe we give God that much, right? So that's what this is, but what I want to challenge us with today is we come into this new series called Counterfeit Kingdom. I want to challenge us with a thought, okay? And Here's the thought. I want you to envision you're a bag of M&Ms, Okay? Some of us, easy to do, right? Not that you have a bag of M&M's, but that you are one. And that those M&M's represent all of your views, all of your thoughts, all of your beliefs, all of the truths and the lies that have shaped you or not. And is your bag more like this or is it more like this? Now, you can't answer that yet because you don't know what they mean, right? You just know that one's very blue. This represents the extreme, the extreme good, the kingdom of God. And this represents every worldview outside of it. So which one is your thoughts and views Ideas, beliefs, best represented by, and it is shaping your loves, wants, and desires. Period. Fun, right? <laughs> M&M's on a Sunday morning. Whew. So we go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Alex started the morning with that. I want us to go back to that. And I want you to hear what is being said and and read it as if you're putting yourself into this. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, meaning you've stepped into a relationship with Jesus, then as you read this, you will read this differently than if you have yet to step into a relationship with Jesus. But get ready, because here it is, Ephesians 2, one through 5 As for you, talking about those who have stepped into a relationship with Jesus, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. You were dead. You might be physically alive, but did you know you are more of a spiritual being than you are a physical being? Matter of fact, you are as much a spiritual being as you are a physical being. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who is now at work. In those who are disobedient. And so all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. Let me just share something with you that, that I was reminded of on Christmas when I shared a message. And it's always fun after you share a message, people come up and say, well, here's what you should have said. Great, that's fine, I can, take, I can take that. Someone said, when you talked about John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, experience the wrath of God, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Why? Because the world already stands condemned. He didn't come to condemn it because you are. We are. Outside of God rescuing us through Jesus, we're done. This is over. There's no hope. And that's why Jesus comes, right? And so he's saying, man, though you were dead in your transgressions, you lived by your flesh, you lived with the thinking of this world, you lived by different ideology, but now I've come. And the expectation here is that you no longer think this way, but you think this way. You no longer act out of these views and beliefs, but you act out of these. (laughs) Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, which his great love for us, not our great love for him, he loved first. God who is rich in mercy because he gives it every morning made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression and it is by grace that you've been saved. It is by grace. It is not by your incredible walk with Jesus that you were saved. It is not by your perfection. It is not by your success. It is not even your failures. It is by his grace alone. You couldn't save you. I couldn't save you. I couldn't even save me. So God sent Jesus to save us all. Period! Yeah! Man, transfer some of you to first service. (laughs) Don't like, I don't know what to do with that now. Just a rough morning in first service. Yeah, God's grace for them too. And me. Can we just keep keep going? Because that should be exciting! So if it's by his grace and not your strength and not your trying, why do we keep trying? Why do we keep working harder at our faith instead of just accepting it, receiving it, and enjoying a relationship with him where he does the work anyway? Why? So that you don't try to get the credit, but he gets it. Because he's deserving of it. You didn't die for the world, he did. Right? So we're we're all being formed. Right, We talked for eight weeks about spiritual formation just a few months ago, and that spiritual formation is realizing that God is on a journey with each one of us, helping us to become like Jesus. That's the journey that we're on. Tony Evans said this about the spiritual growth journey. He said, spiritual growth is a life to be lived, not a lesson to be learned. We didn't go through eight weeks of understanding what it looks like to engage spiritual growth in our life, that it's not the church's job, but it's ours, and that it happens through the power of the Holy Spirit in God's Word, in community, that that's how we actually grow. That's why on Sundays we don't say we gather to grow, we gather to glorify. We group to grow so that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God can be maximized in those spaces, right? And so it is not a lesson to be learned. Oh, Alex, thanks for that. That was a really good teaching. That was a great lesson. No, it is a life to be committed to. And so if that is the goal and the journey is to commit to this life where I'm going to become like Jesus, don't you think the enemy of your soul is going to do everything to keep that from happening? Because here's the deal. You and I were made in the image of God. And Adam and Eve chose to walk away from God and rebel. And in that rebellion broke humanity, broke relationship. And as a result of that, we are being defined by so many other things than the one thing we were chosen to be defined by, and that is God. His sons and his daughters. And when you step into a relationship, that's what God's trying to do through your spiritual formation, but the devil will keep you from it. And the best way he keeps you from it is looking like this instead of looking like this. I was going to say more, but Keep going. So we're all being formed. Whether it's intentional or unintentional. You got up this morning and you chose to look at something. What did you look at and how did that form you? You chose to listen to something. What did you listen to and how did that form you? On the way here, what radio station did you choose and how did that form you? We are being informed. We are being formed. Who do you surround yourself with? I was telling somebody this week. He's sitting in the room here today that your friendships determine your direction and quality of life. Who you're surrounding yourself with will determine how you're being formed. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Tell my kids that all the time. You are being formed. Is it into the image of God's son or is it into the image of this world? That may try to look a little bit like the kingdom, but it can't because it will always fall short because it's counterfeit. Anybody else wishing we would just pass all those out right now? <laughs> yes, Santos. <laughs> Whew. So, over the next few weeks, as we talk about the counterfeit kingdom we live in, we're going to ask some hard questions. Here's the first one. Do you know what's shaping you into a person that you're becoming? Do you know what's shaping you into the person that you're becoming? And is that person Jesus? Is that the Holy Spirit? Is that the God who sent his son to die for you? Is that people who love Jesus and are following him and can help you on that journey? Is it people that will not just tell you what you want to hear, but will tell you what you need to hear? We're going to ask hard questions. Does it look like the king of kings and the kingdom of of God, or is it the world that we live in where Satan is at work, blinding and lying and deceiving? Whoever hangs out with blind, blinding, lying, deceiving people? Nobody. That's weird. Right? It's like, hey, I want to introduce you to myself. I'm Dave. Uh, I'm pretty blind to most things in my life. I love to lie, and I'm pretty deceiving. you want to hang out? We just don't do that. But that's the devil. And yet we spend more time with him than we realize. Every day, there are hidden forces at work in your life that want to make you into their image, but you've been made in the image of God. Why would you settle for counterfeit? Why would I settle for counterfeit? Why are we settling for counterfeit? Because too many Christians today look like this. 100% lies. Living our life from here expecting people to want this when we look like this. Because our views and ideas and beliefs look so much like the world instead of God's word. Because every one of these M&Ms in this bag that represents the thoughts and the beliefs and the ideas of the kingdom comes straight from here. Tells us how to live. Tells us how to act. How to think. How to talk. How to behave. Because it's promising a different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. You know what? Let's put that one on the floor. Just feels like a good spot for it. (laughs) I know. For most of us, Christian, for most of Christian history, these forces have been called the world, the flesh, and the devil. The three enemies of our soul that work to keep us living counterfeit lives is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And together they make up the counterfeit kingdom a way of being that demands our total allegiance and takes us away from the way, the truth, and the life. So the enemy of your soul wants you focused on the world and its thinking and the way it believes and pressures you to. The flesh and what you want and desire and the lies that the enemy wants you to tell you. And Jesus is up there yelling, yeah, but I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You are actually only gonna have life through me. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. It's the only life. How do we recognize these forces in our life and keep giving our loyalty to Jesus while living in this counterfeit kingdom? We hope over the next three or four weeks that we're able to answer those questions. So with that understanding, the purpose of this series is to expose those forces and equip the hope collective to live in such a way that is aware of those forces without allowing them to continue to shape us. We are aware that the enemy uses the world, the flesh, and himself, and he's a liar, and not only are we aware of it, but we're going to start recognizing how those things work in us to keep us from becoming like Jesus, to keep us thinking like this instead of living and thinking like this. Now, by the way, some of you are going, well, I'm kind of a mixture of both. That's okay, too. I'm just showing you the extremes. Someday we'll get here, right? But we need to look more like this than we do this. And this is a problem. Okay. Uh, So. I know. I went to, when when my son was graduating preschool, right? Uh. We went for his graduation, preschool graduation, and they serve refreshments, right? It's just, it's just a way of saying cheap food, like gross cheap food, right? Usually refreshments. It's just, and so I go to the table, and I spot kind of off on the table. I'm coming to the table. I spot something that I'm excited about. Do you know what I'm saying? And I get there. And so far, so good. I pick it up because I'm excited about it. And I go to put it in my mouth and immediately, first of all, smell. Second of all, instant taste. Second of all, the way it crunched. And third of all, third of all, it was not this. I, right? I thought I was deceived into thinking that it was, it was my... I went to pick these. There are lots of Oreos, by the way, and if you've ever heard this message series, you'll understand when I'm, why I'm geeked out about that. It was, it was a false Oreo. <laughs> Calling it out right now for what it was, and and you, you know, when when you when you love. And I I do, I'm trying not to, but I do love Oreos. Right? It's, It's, I felt duped. I felt tripped. I felt cheated. I felt lied to. Something like, you're getting all this out of an Oreo? You're darn right. No, it's a fake Oreo. That's what I'm talking about. It's a deception. And, and we get it, right? Because there are none of us sitting in here in this room today going, man, I love when people lie to me and trick me and dupe me. Like, that's the best because I'm like, man, that's an opportunity for me to work on myself. No, nobody says that. <laughs> right? It's like, no, I don't want to be duped. I don't want to be lied to. I don't want to be tricked. Then why does your thinking and your beliefs and your ideas look more like this than the kingdom? Because it's a counterfeit. You see, those cookies were counterfeit. Here's the problem with some, some of us is we've eaten the counterfeit cookies so long that the good stuff doesn't taste good anymore. Wow. And so we blame it that it's, it's only because the bad stuff is better. You're just blinded by the, by the God of this age who is blinding. and he's lying and he's deceiving because there is no and I, you've brought them to me. I've tasted all of the crap oreos that you think were good fake versions no like you did you brought them we had a sermon on it we talked about it you brought fake ones said try this i said no just this can we get that clear about what we believe and think and view when it comes to this world through a biblical lens instead of a world lens can we This year, can we invite people around us that will dig into the bag and help us begin to remove the M&Ms that aren't blue? What would it look like to be told you're wrong and to actually dig in and get curious about your wrongness? Because you're not all right. Only God is all right. Okay. Page 2. I feel like you got the point so far. Okay. If you're not okay being tricked and scammed and lied to, which I don't think you are, let's talk about the kingdom of this world counterfeit versus the kingdom of God, promised future. Promise, because God is who he says he is, will do what he says he's going to do. The world here in, in this scripture, actually in scripture, specifically talking in Ephesians and what we read in 1 John earlier, is not the people of the world, Because God loves the people of the world. He loves us, and he asks us to love each other and the world. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the world. That's not what it's talking about. The world that he's talking about is this indifference and opposition to God's design. Isn't it interesting (laughs) that all of this conversation in Scripture about staying away from that world that is indifferent and opposition to God's design is the current culture we live in that is trying to rob us of God's design. Creation sexuality, relationship. If you don't start at God's design, then where do you start? And if you start there, then you all have to conclude the same thing. Why? Because we're thinking from here, which means we're thinking from here because we want this. Is anybody confused yet or just hungry? Yeah, probably too many. The world, as Alex defined it in the series during that eight weeks, is the entire human system organized in rebellion against God and pursuing its definition of good with no regard for how God defines it. Who is good? It's this humanist system opposed to God. That's what it means by world. Driving for a utopia that can't come outside of God. John Mark Comer says it like this, and I want you to get this, so I'll put it up on the screen. The counterfeit kingdom strategy against your soul, the world's strategy against your soul, is deceptive ideas, the devil, that play to disordered desires, the flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society, the world. This is how he's working. I want you to hear this again. I want you to get this because I think we think we're smarter than this. Deceptive ideas. The devil lies. He is the father of lies. It's his native language. It's all he does. Every one of us are sitting here with experiential truths that are actually lies about ourselves. That only the Holy Spirit is going to reveal and other people around you is going to help heal. These ideas, the devil, that play to disordered desires because when my thinking and my ideas and my beliefs are in a world system, then my love, wants, and desires will go with it. It's how it works. And if it's anything outside of love, wants, and desires toward God, then it's called idolatry. That's his plan that are normalized in a sinful society called this world that will just pat you on the back and say, it's okay that you just be you. And you believe your truth. And you believe in yourself. (laughs) That is the most dangerous thinking you can have. And yet we sit here pretty darn proud of it. And it's taking us straight to destruction. It's taking our community to destruction. It's taking our family straight to destruction. There. Oh, help me, Jesus. Let me, uh, let me share this with you. Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods. How many you like being read too? I do not, but let me read to you. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't. But I want to quote Keller who's quoting somebody else. The Real American Dream, a meditation on hope by Andrew DeBanco. So Tim Keller is quoting. Andrew in his out of his book, The Real American Dream. And here's what he says. At the heart of every culture is its main hope, what it tells its members that life is all about. Okay, every culture. Del Banco traces three phases of American civilization by looking at the fundamental hope of each era, which he names in sequence, God, nation, and self. In the first era, hope was chiefly expressed through a Christian story that gave meaning to suffering and pleasure alike and promised deliverance from death, early fathers and mothers of our country. In the second phase, the Enlightenment removed a personal God and substituted the idea of a deified nation. The second phase, which Delbanco says only began to pass away during the 1960s, transferred older ideas of sacredness to America itself so that it came to see itself as the Redeemer nation whose system of government and way of life was the hope for the world. Today, the need for transcendence and meaning has detached itself from anything more important than the individual self and its freedom to be what it chooses. Among younger people, the older flag-waving America first mindset is out. Now life is about creating a self through the maximization of individual freedom from the constraints of community. B.S. It's all it is. And we're buying into it. Why? Because we're not rooted enough here. Tim Keller goes on to say, an idol is something we look to for things that only God can give. An idol is something we look to for something that only God can give. 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world. Do you have a better understanding of the world right now? Or anything in the world? None of it's thoughts, it's ideas, it's beliefs, it's behaviors. By the way, your behaviors come from your beliefs. And if anyone loves the world, Love for the Father is not in them. Can, can I just help you read, read that well? I used to read that when I was growing up in church, that don't love the world or anything in the world, and if you love the world, God hates you. It's not what it's saying, and you need to hear this. It's saying, do not love the world or anything in the world, and if you love the world, the world, love of the Father is not in you. You know why? Because the love of the world is, and you can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. He's just saying that this is reality. If this is your truth and it's full of everything that the world tells you to believe instead of what God's word tells you to believe, then you're in trouble. The love of God can't be in you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. John is letting you know that it is really crazy to invest in anything this world is doing outside of the kingdom of God. It's actually crazy to do that that it is going to pass away, but the only thing that remains forever is the kingdom of God. The things that the Bible says and thinks and believes and does that we ascribe to and not only ascribe to, but make our beliefs and our ideas and our views and live that out. That's the kingdom of God. It's the rule and reign of God. The person of the world judges everything by their appetites. They're slaves to the things that always make them more seen, and they're boasters who try to make themselves look far better than they are. That's what John's saying. So there is the view that we who follow Jesus need to have, and it's actually called a biblical worldview, that as followers of Jesus, we don't have multiple worldviews. We have one worldview. What does God's word say? That's our worldview. And not what do I want it to say, or what can I change it to say, but what does it say because it says. It speaks. It's actually living. It's called Jesus. And what does Jesus say? And if Jesus said it and did it, then I believe it, and that settles it. That's what this will look like. But what happens is, is we like to mix it up. Now, let's talk about that for just a minute when we talk about worldview. What's a worldview? A particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. Here's what's sad. We live in a world of competing ideas and worldviews and in an increasingly globalized and interconnected world, Christians are more aware of and influenced by competing worldviews than ever. As a matter of fact, just how much have had other worldviews crept into Christian perspectives? You ready for this? Barna Research. This is research, folks. This is Barna, respected group. This wrecked me I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get past it this morning I might have to hang out here but we need to hear it because maybe it's more important that we expose the devil for who he is than have to tell you what the kingdom of God is because that's the rule and reign of God where utopia can happen maybe not right now but it will but you can have heaven now through Jesus the already but not yet your bag may not look like this but it will one day it will one day as you grow old in faith and as you all grow old in life. That's the goal. Is that all my thinking and all my views and all my beliefs come from God's word and not from this world. All of them. And I want to root out everything that isn't. Barnes' research shows that only 17% of Christians who consider their faith important and attend church regularly actually have a biblical worldview. Seven. 18% of on-fire Christians actually have a biblical worldview. Research in 2018, do you think that's gotten better or worse? What's in the bag? What's in your bag? What is your teachers at school? The family of origin you grew up in, the things you watch on TV, the things you listen to, the TikToks you watch, the reels you consume. What's it telling you that you've adopted and you didn't even know that you were trading the blue for something worse? And that now your life is headed towards disaster because you're thinking outside of the mind of Jesus. 17% 17% of on-fire Christians don't have a, believe have a, a biblical worldview. So if Christians are open to non-biblical perspectives, what are they believing? Listen to this. Barna conducted a study among practicing Christians in America to gauge how much the tenets of other key worldviews, including new spirituality, secularism, postmodernism, and Marxism, have influenced Christians' beliefs about the way the world is and how it ought to be. Barna's new research, 2018, strong agreement with ideas unique to non-biblical worldviews among practicing Christians. The ultimate smash-up disaster. This widespread influence upon Christian thinking is evident not only among competing worldviews, but even among competing religions. For example, nearly 4 in 10, 38% of practicing Christians are sympathetic to some Muslim teachings. It's fire. Playing with fire. Fire. Here's a few notable findings among practicing practicing Christians. Not just people who call themselves Christians. Practicing. 61% agree with ideas rooted in new spirituality. You want an example? Believe in yourself. Don't ever believe in yourself because at the deepest part of your core is incongruent values and you will destroy yourself. Jesus said, believe in me. Believe in me. That's where you find yourself. Is finding Jesus. And he shows you your true self. New spirituality, 61%. 54% resonate with postmodernist views, meaning suspicion of reason. My truth is my truth. 36% accept ideas associated with Marxism. Practicing Christians. 29% believe ideas based on secularism, which is the pulling out of anything good in God in society. goes on to say, I'll put it on the screen, the challenge with competing worldviews is that there are fragments of similarities to some Christian teachings, and some may recognize and latch onto these ideas, not realizing that they are distortions of biblical truths. The call for the church and its teachers and thinkers, which is all of us, may it be all of us, is to help Christians Disconnect popular beliefs before allowing them to settle in their own ideology. Hempel says, one of Barna's researchers, Informed thinking is essential to developing and maintaining a healthy biblical worldview and faith, as well as being able to have productive dialogue with those who espouse other beliefs. Meaning, let's welcome conversation so that we can get to the bottom of truth, so that we can believe truth instead of a bunch of lies that are only destroying us because we've adopted them of some form of truth and they're not. The only truth is what comes from God's word and it is a kingdom that is real. All else are counterfeits. It's like eating horrible fake Oreos (laughs) when you could have the best. And that cheapens what the kingdom of God is really all about, to call it an Oreo. But you get the point. Mark 1, Jesus says, kingdom of God is here he says I am the way the truth and the life and in that moment he doesn't just point listen to me please Jesus said it I am the way the truth and the life in that moment he doesn't just point the way to God and salvation and his kingdom life he actually eliminates all other options and labels them all counterfeit are you hearing me any other religion outside of following Jesus, which, by the way, Jesus didn't come to create another religion. He came to create a relationship with you. That's what he came to do, to walk with you, to see you transformed. All other ways are counterfeits, all of them. We don't get to go, oh, Jesus is one. No, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. You think that there's a world, the flesh, the devil? I'm telling you, there is a way, a truth, and a life. That's the kingdom of God. The number one thing Jesus talked about was the kingdom of God. It's everywhere in the gospels and it's impossible to So what is the kingdom of God? I'm gonna give you this and we'll close. Because I got five, four more pages and I don't have time for them. The kingdom of God is God's reign. The kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's creation. God's reign. By the way, he is reigning. He's in control. And he is making all things new. And that, won't, that won't change or stop no matter what. This culture will destroy itself based on what it's doing right now. And it will need a reformation of the church to save it. A renewing of the church to come alive by the power of the Holy Spirit and show them what a real kingdom actually looks like. It's going to happen. So we need that. So we need to be sure of that. Which means we need to comb through our lives and find any view and any idea and any belief that doesn't line up with the ideas and the beliefs of God and His kingdom. And if you want to know what it looks like, look at Jesus You'll find a way to see what it looks like. And if you need another way of kind of processing that, ask yourself this, am I more tied to this kingdom or am I more tied to God's? Do I look forward to living here or can I not wait to get there? Am I invested here as a resident or am I living here as an alien because I just want to be with Jesus? It's a good sign that your bag's becoming more blue if you see yourself more and more every day as an alien living in this world. God's reign is a saving reign. And the kingdom of God provides a holistic understanding of salvation, including not only what we're saved from, but get this, church, what we're saved for. We are saved from death for life. We are saved from shame for glory. We are saved from slavery for freedom. We are saved from sin for our Savior. We are saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. It's not just from, it's for. That's the kingdom of God. getting rid of all the other colored (laughs) M&Ms. Stand with me. Listen to me. Counterfeit kingdom is coming against your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with God through Jesus. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's coming through worldly views. So we need a biblical worldview to counter every worldly view. It's coming through flesh. We're going to talk about that next week. It's coming by the devil himself. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. That's coming. But listen to me really carefully. The counterfeit kingdom will always start with an attack on God's design. Always. To, to image you into something other than what you were designed to be imaged for, which is made in the image of God. I want to always equip you well. And there are other ways, even outside of God's Word, to understand what I'm talking about. If you're a reader, or if you're not, I read this in one day. Not a big reader. One day, I would go buy this book if you want to understand more about what we're talking about—about about living in God's kingdom versus the kingdom of this world and the ideologies of this world. Spells it out. It's by Henry Nowen, Henry Nowen. however are you going to say it? The selfless way of Christ, downward mobility in the spiritual life. See, because the kingdom way is down into the left, not up and to the right. The greatest become the servants of all. And if you want to be first, you'll become last. That's the kingdom. It's upside down, but it's beautiful. I want you to do three things through this series. I want you to engage with your minds. I want you to think. And I want you to surround yourself with people who will help you think. Matter of fact, this is how I'll say it. What and who is shaping me spiritually? That's what I want you to begin to think. I want you to engage your heart, your emotions. How is the world, the flesh, the devil working against my own spiritual formation? And I want you to surround people and ask. Matter of fact, ask somebody, hey, how do you think that's at work in my life? There are people in your life that are dying to tell you how the enemy's attacking you. Just saying. (laughs) Lastly, I want you to engage your body. Do. Become increasingly aware of what might be misshaping you spiritually. And commit to living in the reality of the kingdom, the spirit, and the truth as exiles in this counterfeit kingdom that we live in called this world. Could we be way more like this as every day goes by? And way less like this. And could you be a person that doesn't surround yourself just with people who think like you because that's cowardice. But with people who don't think like you. So you can grow. Because iron sharpens iron. It's going to be fun. Let's be aliens in this world. Can we do that? Lord, thank you for this church, for these people, the willingness to sit and be challenged. Whatever one thing, two things, three things that got into a heart, may you give them courage to surround themselves with people that will impact that for them. Help them see Jesus in it. God, may you expose every idea, every view, every belief in our lives that is connected to this world and not to your kingdom, that is connected to this world and not God's word. And may you give us a passion and a love for your word that will help us build those views and wants and desires in us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you all. Have a great week. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.